Thank you all for tuning in to the 321st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting app or platform may be listening to me via. Also, special shout out to everybody who's listening via Elevation Sports in Denver, being recorded from Buffalo, New York. As always, going to have a very special guest on the show today, Zach Pearson. He covers the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report. Uh, fun conversation. We talk about Justin Fields. Uh, we get into a little bit of the Jay Cutler era of Chicago. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we talk about the Cleo Mack trade. Uh, NFC North, kind of the hierarchy in the NFC North. So very interesting conversation. Uh, and also, check out the timestamps below if there's certain parts of the interview you'd rather listen to as opposed to others. And if you want to listen to the whole thing all the way through, that's even better. Now, before we get to Zach, I'm going to give my shameless plug. First-time listener, subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via uh, Facebook group chats, Reddit threads, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel also, Daryl Lane. And follow me on Twitter, at Nitrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again at nitrain underscore lane and if you have apple or itunes give me a great comment and a five stars and five stars right and for some odd reason right if you don't like the pod then take a page from what your mama told you if you don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all and coming up next after the break on barbershop sports talk we're gonna have zach pearson of the bear report on the pod cut up next after the break on barbershop sports talk Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Zach Pearson. He covers the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report. How you doing, Zach? I'm doing good, man. It's a little hot here. Humidity is awful, but uh, I'm doing good. Other than that, I can't complain. So the first thing I have to ask you is, what's the excitement around the team with the fans, just with everybody about Justin Fields? A lot of excitement. Um, I mean, this is, you know, I've been around the team covering them for like five, six years, but going to like training camp um, for like the last 10, 12 years as a fan too. I have not seen this much excitement in a long time. I'd have to point back to pretty much like Jay Cutler's first preseason game. Um, after the Bears made the trade, there's a lot of excitement there, but this is kind of different. This is like more of a, okay, we almost know what's going to be like, Justin Fields is really damn good, and it would take a lot for him to kind of fail in the NFL. Um, I mean, at the first preseason game against uh, the Miami Dolphins on Saturday, it was, you know, the combination of fans returning to the Soldier Field mixed in with Justin Fields' debut. Um, it was just an incredible atmosphere, and right when he got in, the fans were cheering pretty loud. 
Um, and, you know, they know it's kind of like almost like there's like a speed bump to get to Justin Fields, and that speed bump's Andy Dalton. But overall, I mean, the excitement's just through the roof right now for him. How, when he got drafted, because he was drafted, what, 7th? Uh, 11. So 11, okay, not 7, just outside the top 10. Just outside the top 10. Yeah, so, do you think he was the guy all along the Bears wanted? Um, I think he was the quarterback that they wanted and thought that they had the best chance of getting. So, going into that draft, we knew Trevor Lawrence was going 1. We knew um, Zach Wilson was going 2. And then it was kind of those weeks where it was like Mac Jones and Trey Lance were kind of both rumored to San Francisco. And I think kind of, you know, a week or two before, once, you know, coaches kind of found out, okay, Trey Lance is going to San Francisco, I think the Bears kind of figured, okay, we have a realistic shot at getting Justin Fields. Um, I would say maybe, you know, he wasn't, he's was probably at the top of the list in terms of overall players, uh, but for sure the quarterback that they thought they had the best chance to get. And it's kind of weird because it feels like everything had to fall in place for it to happen. Um, you know, you had to have Trey Lance go to um, San Francisco right away. You had to have um, Atlanta take Kyle Pitts. You had to have Denver, Minnesota, um, a couple other teams, Carolina, skip out and not take a quarterback. And then you had to trade with, um, you know, Dave Gettleman, who does not really like to trade in, in drafts or trade back in drafts. Um, so it kind of was just all just the perfect storm. And, and I do believe, you know, Actually, I, I kind of find it funny. I think, you know, if they could have traded up, it, you know, and they did, it would have been Justin Fields was their main target. But if they would have sat back and Fields was gone, I think the guy that got in the second round, Tevin Jenkins, would have been their top target among a couple other players. So it ended up working out for them. Do you So do you think their plan, their number one plan, was always quarterback all along, or do you think it was kind of just how it fell? Um, well, you know, I, I think it was kind of 1A and 1B. Um, I think they knew that they had to get a quarterback to kind of save their jobs, that, that being Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I think they had the plan to get Justin Fields if everything broke right. If not, I think they would have gone, you know, Kellen Mond or Davis Mills taking a shot at that in the second round. I really don't think they really liked Matt Jones going out of Alabama. Um, and with the other quarterbacks going first, I think it was pretty much, in terms of quarterback, Fields or bust. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a tricky question because listening to them and watching what's happened to this franchise over the past couple of years, you know, it almost felt like they needed to get that quarterback. And I'd be very curious the exact route they would have gone if Fields was, was off the board. Um, I do believe it would have been Monder Mills and then maybe an offensive tackle in the first round or, you know, wide receiver even in the first round. But, I mean, I, I guess I'd say, yeah, I think, you know, it was pretty much quarterback or bust in terms of their you know, a future with this franchise and saving it. So why don't you think they didn't like Mac? Or, or that would not have been the direction they would have went? Um, you know, a, a lot of people like Mac. A lot of people think, you know, he's going to be a good quarterback. I think the Bears wanted to go with, you know, the route of a proven um, college guy. Not that Jones wasn't, because he did have a good college career. But, you know, more proven in a way where he could do a lot more in terms of fields. Um, you, you watched those pro days, and they showed Matt Nagy with Justin Fields um, you know, at Ohio State, and that kind of maybe tipped their hand a little bit. I don't think we got any true shots of them kind of watching Matt Jones. Um, I think Justin Fields could do a little more down the field. I think his arm is better, his accuracy is better. 
and just overall as an athlete, I think Justin Fields is better. I think that's what really attracted them um, to him because, you know, they had kind of a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky was athletic, but not to the level of, you know, Justin Fields. You look at Matt Jones, he's more of just a true pocket passer. I think they want someone that they can move the pocket with, um, they, you know, someone that can run, um, a player that can kind of keep plays alive with his feet and make throws in the run. And that's something we saw, you know, early on in that, in that first preseason game as well. Do you think, and I think this is interesting too, because, you know, and you kind of did allude, this, to allude to this a little bit, part of the reason, you know, why they do drive Justin Fields is kind of like Matt Nagy and Pace, you know, they're on the hot seat, right? Like, you know, if, yeah. if things don't go well, then they could be gone. But I, I do want your opinion on this too. Like, if, the, I kind of think just from the outside looking in, right, if they get a young quarterback, does that give them more time or is it like, no, we need results right now? They could not see the fruits of Justin Fields' labor. Yeah, you know, I think there's an argument for both sides of that. I thought when they drafted Justin Fields, I was kind of quick to say, okay, like, they bought themselves a couple, you know, maybe an, an extra year. They get this year and then next year because they kind of have Justin, that Justin Fields card sitting in their back pocket. Um, but also the Bears have been really coy and very, you know, like, they won't tell us if they've extended Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace. Because originally their contracts did not match up where, you know, um, they would both could, could be out in the same year um, in terms of the contracts expiring. So I do think, you know, they are a little bit on the hot seat. I do think if this season goes really bad and let's say Justin Fields struggles a little bit, um, there is a chance that, you know, both could be gone. Um, but I do think if it, I said it the draft, I said it again now, I lean more towards Justin Fields bought them at least an extra year beyond this year because if they do struggle, they can just say, hey, look, Fields is developing. I mean, there's a, there's a scenario where Fields is really good, but Bears still don't make the playoffs because of talent around him or, you know, maybe something happens to defense. Um, and the Bears say, look, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace say, we have Justin Fields, we can develop them, give us this one more year, and we'll kind of take it all in, into 2022. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but since Maggie's, Matt Nagy's been there, he hasn't had a losing record, right? No, he has not. Um, he finished 500 last year, but yeah, he has not had a, a losing record, and he also has second-most wins um, in the first three years of, of, um, of his head coaching career for the Chicago Bears. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. So then why do you think there's so much pressure? Because you would think, from just from the outside looking in, that that would mean, okay, like it's tough to win in the NFL, obviously. The Green Bay Packers are in their division. The NFC is always tough. Like, why would he, what would be the reason for him to be on the hot seat to this degree? I, I just don't think there's been a lot of improvement with his teams um, as the years have gone on. His first year, 12-4, and four, you know, a missed field goal away from going to the NFC divisional round. Who knows what happens after that? Um, then the next year, you know, you could argue the offense regressed. Mitch Trubisky took a step back. He wasn't who they thought he was. And the whole hiring of Matt Nagy was offensive genius, quarterback guru he's gonna get our young quarterback to that next level and it didn't work out and it got to the point where they went out and actually spent money and a draft pick to acquire Nick Foles and that didn't even work out so Foles didn't improve here and Trubisky didn't improve here the offense hasn't gotten better um you know and that's particularly tied to Matt Nagy um you know the defense has been good they've been fine but there's been no offensive improvement over the past couple of years since Nagy's been here now, since we've established, you know, they're on the hot seat. 
do you think they're going to start Justin Fields out the gate? Because I think Andy Dalton, I think you just got a quote from Andy Dalton. He's kind of like, you know, Justin's going to have a great career, but now's my time. So obviously Andy's not really, it doesn't seem he's really down for the plan. So uh, how do you think that situation is going to resolve itself for week one? Yeah, I, I think Andy Dalton will be the starter week one. I think they're so comfortable with him starting uh, because he hasn't stunk in practice. He's actually been pretty solid. Um, he's a veteran that's already been, he's respected by many in this locker room. Um, and, and, you know, I think they're just so comfortable with him starting and it's okay because, you know, it gives Justin Fields more time to develop, but, but I don't think it's going to be long before Justin Fields takes over. I think Doug will be out for three to four games, um, if he is the week one starter and we're kind of heading towards that and, and, you know, Justin Fields come out Saturday and light it up against the Buffalo Bills. I don't think that'd even be enough to overtake any Dalton right away. I think it'd be enough to keep that door open. Uh, but Fields, you know, is going to have to string together, like, fantastic practices uh, over this next week or so. And then, uh, you know, rounding out training camp. How has Justin looked in practice? He's looked good. Um, you know, yesterday was kind of a bad day for him, his first real bad day. Uh, today, on Wednesday, he actually didn't practice at all. He was kind of dealing with some uh, soreness. So they kind of decided to keep him out. Um, but prior to that, I mean, he was stacking really good practices. And one thing that Nagy said was he's got to continue to get better um, as the days go on. Right away in training camp, he looked like what he was, a rookie that, um, you know, was in his first couple training camp practices making rookie mistakes. And that's okay. That's, that's what you kind of expect 99% of rookie quarterbacks. As the days have gone on, he's gotten better. And I thought he's outperformed Danny Dalton, but he Dalton wasn't bad to the point where, okay, like, there's no way you can start this guy. He was just kind of, eh, which in their eyes is probably, okay, he hasn't done anything to lose the job. So I think Fields has been fine um, outside of this, outside of Tuesday's practice and not practicing all day. Uh, but, you know, he's got he's to continue to stack those days well, and let me say this. I think that this is personally my problem with a, a lot of NFL coaches and organizations. I, I understand that you want to you know, give your rookie, your young player, you know, a chance to sit, you know, sit and learn. And I think there's value in that, right? I think if you look at some of the greatest quarterbacks ever, like Tom Brady didn't start his first year. I don't think Drew Brees was playing his first year. Uh, you look at uh, guys like Aaron Rodgers, right? Patrick Mahomes, he's a good example. Patrick Mahomes. But if you're in a situation where, right, you don't think this guy's going to sit the whole season, you're going to play him like by week five anyway. I don't understand the point of, you know, just delaying the inevitable. Like, I don't think necessarily the progression is going to get to a point to where, like, okay, he does, he's making these few mistakes week one. He's not going to make any mistakes by week four. There's going to be mistakes because he's a young player. That's what young players do. You kind of have to, like, live with that. Yeah, and, you know, I would actually agree with you. I think that there is absolutely no reason why you can't start in week one. Um, but for whatever reason, Matt Nagy and, you know, the, the Bears – you know, coaching staff, Ryan Pace, have, have stuck to this plan where it's pretty much going to be dumped no matter what we want. And it's even to the point where, you know, Justin Fields has literally one rep with the first team um, in practices since training camp. In legit rep, where it's, you know, scrimmage 11 on 11 on 7 on 7. Why not give him that opportunity? What's the worst that can happen? He goes out there against the first team defense, with the first team offense, and throws a couple interceptions? Oh, okay. That, that's natural. That's what's going to happen with a rookie, especially with a really good defense you're going up against. I don't think they've given him the opportunity to try to win that job um, fairly. I mean, you know, he hasn't had those reps with the Wands. Andy Dalton's got majority of those reps. I would tend to agree. I think, you know, you start the rookie, you can throw him in and let him learn. Um, 
honestly can't think of uh, a reasonable explanation why he shouldn't even get a chance to start week one, but that's just kind of the path that they're going on. And it's not like, you know, all respect to Andy Dalton, it's not like we're talking about maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo situation with Trey Lance, a guy that went to Super Bowl. Like Andy Dalton, I mean, the Cowboys were a dumpster fire last year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's yeah. not... <laughs> it's not even a true quarterback competition. I mean, a lot of people want to say it's, it's not even really a true quarterback competition out there either. Yeah, and I also think, too, like, if he's not going to go with the one, like, then when you put him in, wouldn't that be, you know, wouldn't that just make it harder? Because then if you don't have any real reps with the ones when you finally get in there, like, I just. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I honestly don't understand their reasoning for it. Uh, Matt Nagy did say he'd get more reps with the ones, um, and everyone kind of ran with that, thought, okay, it'd be happening right away. Um, in practice, it didn't. Uh, I mean, he's obviously, you know, in wide receiver TV drills or, or quarterback wide receiver drills, he's, you know, throwing to guys like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney occasionally. But they're not true first team reps. I think we're gonna. I think we'll see first team reps on Saturday, um, a little more. But in, in terms of you know leaning towards any or just feels getting a fair shot, or I just don't think we're there yet. So I, I want to go to this now. And also, by the way, I do also want to ask you this about Justin Fields. Uh, when do you think he's gonna start? If he does, like you know, you said at some point during the season. But if yeah, we're to guess a week. Yeah, I'd say probably week five. You know, week four or five kind of seems to be that sweet spot that everyone throws out there. Um, but, you know, if Andy Dalton's playing well, I mean, can they really, you know, go to Justin Fields if Andy Dalton's winning games and playing well? If they're winning games and he's struggling, um, I, I think they'll go to Justin Fields. But I, I'd say four to five is kind of that sweet spot. Yeah, it, it just kind of reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when Deshaun Watson was a rookie and, I think Tom Bill O'Brien started Tom Savage for the first few yeah. games, and it was like, yeah. why, why the hell are we starting Tom Savage? And they put in Deshaun, and then you know what Deshaun Watson did? He just started lighting everybody up, and it's like, oh, you know, exactly. It's like, and it's like, why was this dude in before? Well, and also last year, I mean, with the Chargers, it, it, it took a freak accident to what Tyrod Taylor for Justin Herbert to start, and then he ended up winning Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And Herbert came out, and Herbert was amazing. Like, yeah, like, Herbert was great for a rookie. Yeah, that, that, that's another, you know, great example. And if you start with, and obviously it was clearly shown, you know, he's better than Tyrod. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, here's where I want to go now. So, I kind of want to go to the quarterback who was here before Justin, Mitch Trubisky. And, and you kind of alluded, you know, maybe that's some of the criticism Matt Nagy, too. He's supposed to be this offensive mind, and obviously they regressed. What do you think is the biggest reason for why Mitch Trubisky did not succeed in Chicago? I, you know, I think Mitch Trubisky has a talent. Um, I think he's good out of the pocket. He plays alive. I think, you know, he just couldn't process things quick enough at the NFL level. Um, oftentimes, you see him one read and out. Um, you know, he'd lock on Allen Robinson if that wasn't there. It would just kind of be a nightmare for him. Um, I think, you know, once defense has caught on to his skill set and what they could do and they're throwing different disguises at him um, with different defense and looks, um, he kind of, not panicked, but he couldn't really figure it out in time and process it well. He simply just couldn't read where the defense was going to be. And if you look at some of his throws, I mean, as far as week one in 2019, you know, threw an interception in the back of the end zone, didn't even know that the safety was going to go there and pick it off. It's just kind of throws like that or any throws off your back foot, wild stuff like that. I think that was kind of his biggest downfall. I mean, he's, I think he's got arm talent, and I think, you know, he, he's he got 
a very good athleticism. I just I just think the processing just wasn't there quick enough. Okay, now that's actually interesting. That's actually interesting. Because uh, I think some people just always chalk it up, you know, like, Mitch isn't good, he's just a scrub. You don't necessarily think that's the case. You think he does have the physical ability. But I guess here's my thing, too. With, with, then that's when coaching comes into play. You're supposed to, part of coaching is putting your players, especially your guys with, you know, the most talent, the most physical talent, the most gifts, to be in situations uh, to be successful. Yeah, and, you know, I think with that, you know, Matt Nagy does deserve his fair share of criticism because... I think Manegi's a good coach. I don't think he's a good play caller. Um, and I do think there were times where he could have put Mitch in, into better situations. I also think there were times where he almost had to dumb down the playbook a little more than he wanted to and kind of almost run a vanilla type of his offense. I don't think we've really truly seen Matt Nagy's true offense of what he imagines it to be. Um, and, you know, part of that falls on Trubisky for not being able to run it, not being able to make the reads, things like that. I, I keep pointing back to the RPOs, and that's a big part of the NFL nowadays. It's a big part of what Matt Nagy wants to do with his offense. And there would be a lot of times where Mitch would make the wrong read of the RPO. You know, you have to read that defensive end, what he's doing off the edge, um, in order to determine if you're going to hand it off or make a throw. And just too many times you saw Mitch making the wrong decision, whether it was, you know, giving it to the ball carrier or, you know, taking it instead. Um, it just wasn't there for him. Now, I think they're blaming is to go around with Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. Um, but then if that's the case, it just sounded like it really wasn't a good marriage in the beginning. By the end uh, of, of Mitch's tenure in Chicago, what do you think the feelings were around him? Man, that's, you know, that's hard because I, I feel like there are a lot of fans that really you know like him. I mean, he's a great guy. I, I've talked to him a couple times. Really nice guy, you know, good locker room guy. Um, and also, we have to look at it this way. It is not his fault that Ryan Pace traded up to tra- to draft him in a draft class with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. That's just really bad, unfortunate luck. You're looking at a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live, and another guy who had a Hall of Fame path um, essentially there for him. I just, you know, I feel like a lot of fans are kind of mixed on it. I think, you know, some realize that he wasn't good. Some realize, okay, maybe he had this, this skill set. It's kind of still split in Chicago. It was, I mean, you look on Twitter and message boards, you know, listen to talk radio. It kind of felt like it was 50-50 split last year, Mitch's fault or not. Um, and now I think it's kind of more of a 60-40 people leaning towards Mitch's fault. I think there'll be some, when he comes back Saturday, I think there'll be some cheers in the crowd. Um, I don't think people hate him, per se, or anything like that. I just It's unfortunate it didn't work out for him. Because it's interesting, you know, when you mentioned Mitch, right? Why do you think then, because if you're saying, for example, like, and I, maybe there was a couple red flags, right? Because I believe he only started one year uh, at North Carolina, too. But, you know, what are things that you think, and I guess this is something for just all teams, like, how, how can you figure that out? Like, where maybe, okay, if the issue with player X is processing, then how do you figure that out? Yeah, I mean, I think it just takes time. Um, you know, when you look at when he came out of North Carolina, like you said, he only had the one year starting. Um, but it really wasn't even that great of a year in North Carolina. I mean, they lost to North Carolina State, they lost to Duke. He really didn't play well in either of those two games. Um, he just didn't have the experience that you kind of wanted coming out of college. I think it was very raw. Um, I think he had, you know, a lot of raw talent that you could have worked with. Maybe that first year in Chicago under John Fox and Dow Loggins didn't do him any favors. 
Um, and then in 2018, he kind of started off a little slow, got better as the year went on, had that big game against Tampa Bay, uh, performed you know pretty well down the stretch. He had some games where he was kind of bad down the stretch as well. It just never got to the point where you know he developed into a franchise quarterback, and sometimes it just doesn't click for guys. It just doesn't happen. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't out there busting his ass because he was. Every indication was he was out there working hard. Um, maybe just the partnership with Matt Nagy didn't work out so well. Maybe Nagy's offense was just so too complicated in a way. Um, it's hard though because you know you look at Mahomes; he was very raw as well. He did have a couple, you know a little better tape in college. Sean Watson had the best tape in college out of the three, obviously, you know, taking down top teams. But, you I mean, it's a gamble. You know, quarterbacks in the first round are always a gamble. And more than likely, they're not going to pan out. Yeah, I know. I was looking at this with a friend of mine uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were just looking, not even just for quarterbacks, all players, like, about 50% of players just drafted in the first round are going to be busts. It, it was oh, like... Yeah. 17 to 15, like one year, like 17 might end up not being busts. Uh, the, the other year, it's going to be the other way. So a little give or take, it's going to swing a tad bit a different way. But basically, it, it evens out to 50% of them won't be able to play in the league. Flat out, won't yeah. be able to play. Honestly, how many of them actually turn out to be stars, too? It's even, it's even less, too. Oh, that's very true. I mean, that, I mean, you can even look at quarterbacks. Like, are, are Jared Goff and Carson Wentz busts? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's very rare that you do get one in the first round. I mean, the, the, what, the 20, was a 2017 draft out of the three in the first round. Two of them look like it's going to be really good. One, you know, looks like he's, he's not going to be very good. But then you go back other years, and there, I mean, there are drafts where four, what, three, four, five guys are taken, and none of them, you know, are good. It's just a, it's a total crapshoot. Pretty much quarterbacks are essentially a lottery ticket, and it's very hard to hit on. Do you think, if we go back to that draft with Mitch, Deshaun, and Patrick, do you think, you know, you know, just take everything away, do you think that Deshaun probably should have been the quarterback drafted? Maybe not Patrick, because obviously, you know, there were some concerns about Patrick Mahomes, but Deshaun probably should have been that guy. Like, how were people in Chicago feeling? Were they like, why not Deshaun Watson? I mean, all this did guy did was, you know, destroy Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's right there. I mean, that's why... Bears fans want him. They saw he was on the national stage. He did it on the national stage. I think he was the guy that a lot of Bears fans wanted. Interestingly enough, though, it did come out later that, you know, uh, Ryan Pace had Mitch as a number one. I believe he had Patrick Mahomes as number two, and he met with both of them and then kind of came to the conclusion that it was going to be Mitch. He didn't really even sit down with Deshaun Watson for a private interview either, which is kind of shocking because in a year you know you need a quarterback, why not do the full homework? Like, what does it hurt to go out to a dinner with Deshaun Watson? So I think that's where the frustrations came, was that they really didn't even do their full homework on Deshaun Watson. Maybe were they worried about that knee injury that he had um, at Clemson? I don't know, but I just kind of found it interesting that they had Mahomes on the top of the list with, with Trubisky. Um but overall, I mean, yeah, I, I, Chicago fans, everyone thought it was going to be, everyone actually thought it was going to be uh, Jamal Adams would be safety taken right there if they stayed put. Um, but in terms of quarterback, it would have been Deshaun Watson. So I want to ask you this to, uh, I want to go to Khalil Mack, uh, the Khalil Mack trade. In hindsight, was the Khalil Mack trade the right or the wrong decision? I still think it was the right decision. I think, you know, Ryan Pace actually believed he had a young quarterback. And there's nothing more valuable in the NFL than a young 
good quarterback on a rookie deal because his quarterback contracts continue to go on every year. They get more expensive and expensive. We're seeing, you know, Josh Allen this past couple weeks here. I think, you know, he thought he had a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback that was going to be really good. He had to go all in. Um, as we said, you know, first-round picks, the, the hit rate's not very great on them, so it doesn't really do a lot of damage to, to, to your franchise. Obviously, you'd love to have the first-round picks, but it's not like you're throwing away guaranteed stars. And when you can go out and get a guaranteed star like Cleo Mack, I, I think you do that trade. I don't think Ryan Pace has any regrets, um, especially now. At the time, it was the right move. You know, it's fair to criticize it now. I, I still wouldn't be mad if, you know, the Bears made the trade. I, I think it was the right move at the right time. You get a guy who can dominate a game. He's been hampered now by some injuries. But so far in camp, he, he looks pretty healthy and looks like he's back on track to get to those double-digit sacks. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick break and get up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk about some more Bears stuff. Coming up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk and we still have Zach with us. So Zach, AFC North. So give me your AFC North hierarchy. Excuse me, your NFC North hierarchy, not AFC North. NFC North. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I'd probably go with the Ravens. No, but um, yeah, you know, NFC North, I'd still think with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are a team to be. Um, you know, if he, if he wasn't there, that would obviously be a different story. Um, and then you look at the bottom, I think the Lions are, you know, a full rebuild, and that's okay. Um, I don't think Jared Goff's going to be there as well long-term. I think they're going to have to take a quarterback in next year's draft. Then it gets kind of interesting between the Bears and the Vikings, you know, two teams that seem to be kind of just stuck in the middle, um, not good enough to beat Green Bay and contend um, in the NFC for, for the conference championship, but two teams that might be able to sneak into the playoffs – um, as a six or a seven seed with with the new um, additional seed this year, and they're kind of just like hoping that okay they both they both took young quarterbacks, um, they both have veterans on the team. Kirk Cousins going to start, and Dylan's going to start, but neither of them are the long term um, solution for them. So they're both kind of hoping that the rookie quarterbacks hit um, and are the future of their franchise. But for now, you know, until Aaron Rodgers leaves that division, it's hard. How? Oh, well, that's kind of great. So, Aaron, so before, let's say, so if Aaron doesn't, let, let, let's say Aaron decides, you know, screw Green Bay, you know, they did me wrong. He's out the picture. Then would you, who would you put as number one? Would you still have the Packers at one? Oh, man. I don't know. I, I think it would be too tough to even name a number one because I, I think you could point to advantages for all three. You know, I think it would be Vikings, Bears, and, and Packers. Not in that order, but those three kind of fighting for the division lead, um, I, I almost think it'd come down to which, you know, defense is better. Um, I don't think Kellen Mond's ready to go out and play, and Jordan Love has a lot of question marks surrounding him. Um, you know, can he take over for Aaron Rodgers and not in the Packers offense, not as a beat? The Packers have a better talented roster. And then, you know, obviously Justin Fields, when does he start? I think there's just so many factors. It would be really tough to kind of, predict um 
Yeah, I don't know. That, that's actually a good question. I, I think there's just so many question marks with all three of those teams in that scenario. Do you think, and I know this would be a I don't know if you have the answer to this, you don't, but I do want your opinion on this. So, Aaron, if Aaron's out, I think most people assume he's not going to be out. Do you think it would be smart for these other teams, like if you're like the Bears, the Vikings, why not just be like, okay, you know, kind of like a, a punt year, a redshirt year. Not, not that you're going to throw away the year, I mean, it's probably a better way to put it, but kind of just be like, okay, the Packers have the division, you know. We're going to try to be as good as we can, but we know kind of where we stand. And then this guy who's kind of been the boogeyman for the last decade, he's probably going to be gone, and then that's our time. Yeah, you know, I, I think obviously the long-term future for the Bears is definitely Justin Fields. And I think they feel comfortable in a situation where, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' time is probably running out in Green Bay after this year. Um, and they think they have their franchise quarterback. And that's kind of all what it comes down to. Um you know, obviously, they're, gonna, they're not going to say that. They're not going to say, yeah, let's take a redshirt year, you know, if, even if we get in the seventh seed, whatever. Uh, but I think that's realistic expectations is, you know, kind of a redshirt year. Let's see how Justin Fields is on the field. I don't think anything else matters. You know, the Bears could be, what, three and there's 18 games or whatever, 17 games now, three and 14. But as long as Justin Fields plays well, I think that's the only thing, honestly, that matters to them. Uh, you know, they obviously have to upgrade their offense in the offseason. But yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of a redshirt type season because right now I don't think you're good enough to beat the Packers. They're just not going to tell you that. They won't come out publicly and say that or anything. But I have to imagine, you know, their focus is certainly on this year, but definitely on the future with Justin Fields. Now, in terms of the NFC as a whole, where would you kind of put the Bears? Yeah, you know, I think their ceiling is probably a seven seed in the playoffs. Um, and their floor is probably, you know, five wins, four to five wins. I think their schedule's tough at the end. Um, I don't think you can consider them a legit contender, obviously. If everything, you know, goes well and they exceed expectations, maybe the sixth seed, they get in the playoffs, maybe win a game. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see them making it really past the division around this year. If, and that's everything goes right. Well, if they get four wins, man, is Matt Nagy really going to keep his job if they get four wins? If that's... I, I think it would have to depend on fields. I think, you know, there is a scenario where if he doesn't, you know, if, if you get four wins, there is a scenario definitely where Matt Nagy doesn't come back. Um, it just uh, it would have to depend on how fields looks. Uh, has he shown improvement? Stuff like that. So Justin Fields balls out. Matt Nagy's safe. That, that's kind of the moral of the story. There. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think, I mean, obviously, you know, I think the most important bear and storyline this year is going to be Justin Fields. Now, I also want to go to this, too. Uh, there was almost reportedly almost a trade that took place with Russell Wilson going to the Bears. How close was that actually real, realistically going to happen? Like, how close was that? Yeah, so the Bears were definitely digging into, you know, could they acquire Russell Wilson? Um, they made calls. They talked to Seattle. Um, you know, and it even got to the point where reportedly – a deal was in place for a couple starters. They were going to land Russell Wilson, but Pete Carroll mixed it. Um, I haven't been able to confirm that. Um, I do think it is true, though, with the with the one or two reports out there about that. They definitely did their homework on uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, they did their homework on Sean Watts before everything kind of came out. Uh, they poked around at other quarterbacks. I've heard Ben Roethlisberger's name if he didn't return to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know how true that one was. But they definitely were in it to land Russell Wilson. They were very interested in 
to take that big shot and make a move because they were so desperate for a quarterback going into this offseason. And I also want to ask you this. Uh, since you've been covering the team, you said you've been covering the team for six years. What's been like the funniest or most interesting story that you've gotten? Oh, man. I'm trying to think what would be like a funny, interesting story. Hmm. I don't know if anything like, like funny um, in terms of an angle. I can't really think of much. Um, interesting. And there's been a bunch of interesting ones. Um, you know, the, the whole Mitch with the arm sleeve angle type was kind of fun to write up and, and talk about when, you know, he had the arm sleeve out and threw the six touchdowns against Tampa Bay. Would he continue that on? Um, Cleo Mack was always just an interesting angle. Um, I would say one of my favorite stories I did or opportunities I got while covering the team was during the Bears 100 season, um, they had like a big, you know, convention for the team and celebrating 100 years of the franchise. We actually got to talk to like some of the greatest players in the franchise. And one of the guys that I loved talking to was Richard Dent. And listening to him break down, you know, defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers, getting to the quarterback and sacking, um, and kind of what, what went through his mind. All that stuff was just incredible. I know that's not like a funny one, but that was probably the most interesting one for me, just the opportunity to sit down and talk to a Hall of Famer about getting to the quarterback in his playing days was just awesome. Oh, well, what did he tell you? Oh, man, it was a couple of years ago. I don't know exactly what his words were. He had some inter- – the one that really stood out to me was – how he's I, I believe it was something like he's like there's not many people that he's seen that can consistently get to the quarterback no matter a chip or a block or anything like Cleo Mack and just how Cleo Mack you know just had the strive of like just to get to the quarterback he said like something along those lines of you know he's not seen many guys that can do it I thought it was interesting listening to him talk about Cleo Mack like and last, I have to ask you this because you said you've been watching the Bears since the last 12 years. So I believe that will coincide with the last time they were in the NFC Championship game. How do you remember and how do people in Chicago still remember Jay Cutler on the bike? <laughs> uh, a lot of hatred for him. For that. <laughs> uh, I remember it. I actually remember exactly everything that went down that night. I was at my dad's place watching the game. I was not a reporter at the time or anything like that. I grew up a Bears fan. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him out, and this was when Twitter was just getting going, I want to say. Like, one of its first big years that people were on it. Uh, I had, like, it was one of my first moments where I'm like, I cannot read this. I cannot read Twitter right now because it's so toxic. It was, it got nasty. And, you know, say what you want about Jay I don't think it was fair uh, what was said about him. We still don't know. I mean, doctors have said, yeah, yeah torn MCL or ACL, um, which, you know, you can be on a bike, try to warm it up at the time. Um, you can kind of walk on it, but I just think people jump to conclusions. It's just unfortunate what happened, because I think if he stayed healthy, I think they would have won that game. Uh, but, you know, also with his attitude and how he was kind of portrayed, it doesn't shock me at all that, you know, it got to that level. It was just a disappointing night because, you know, they really didn't have any good backup quarterbacks. And if they had a solid backup quarterback or if Cutler stayed healthy, I think the Bears really would have won that game. Well, the crazy thing is Caleb Haney almost almost, almost got it done. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, they should have probably gone to Haney before they went to uh, Todd Collins. Because they wasted, I believe they wasted, like, two drives on Todd Collins. Well, they wasted one drive 
Cutler tried to come out, couldn't throw, obviously, couldn't even plant. And they wasted, I think, another one or two drives on Todd, Todd Collins before they went to um, Caleb Haney. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, now it sounds like what you're saying is this, right? So everybody obviously loves Justin Fields right now. People are kind of split on Mitch Trubisky. Everybody hates Jay Cutler. Uh, I don't think everyone hates Jay Cutler. Um, I think since he's he's retired, um, you know, not a lot of hatred anymore. I think the whole you know him being on TV with his ex-wife on that show kind of helped things out. Uh, I, I still think you know people don't forget his time here, uh, good or bad. Yeah. I, I will say this in Jay's defense. Uh, people should follow him on Twitter. He's very, he's a very witty guy. He's a very witty guy. He has more personality than I think people realize. Like, I think people think he's like, yeah. oh, because I think Stephen A. Smith kind of led into that with like, oh, you just quiet. He's like, he has a very witty personality. He has a very witty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. Definitely. Zach, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, man. Thank you for having me on. And once again, I want to thank Zach Pearson for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 321st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.